0: Great options there. You know, if you heard the phrase, and you've heard it before, that everything rests on this, that's an overstatement a lot of times, isn't it? You know, it, it can be. But sometimes it's the truth. Sometimes when you make a statement like that, uh, that everything rests, in other words, it's going to rise or fall on what happens with this, you can be telling the truth. We're in the middle of baseball season and softball season. And people who know about that a lot more than me would tell you that a whole lot rises and falls or depends on pitching. If you've got great pitchers, you can keep the other team from scoring runs. Even if you can't score many, you can win games. But if you've got the greatest hitters in the world and your pitchers can't throw the ball over the plate or they do it two miles an hour, you're not going to win a lot of ball games. a lot Rest on your pitching. Well, this evening we're starting a series in Hebrews 11, and it's not an exaggeration to say that if you are a Christ follower, you're going to be a Christ follower. Everything rests on our subject. We're going to be talking about faith. Hebrews 11, it's called the Faith Chapter because it's great stories of people of faith throughout the history of the Bible. 24 times the word. Faith or trust or believe is used in this chapter. And we've titled this series, A Lens That Will Change Everything. Because if you will do life and you will see life through the lens of faith, it absolutely will change everything. Because everything in our belief system rests on faith. Let's begin with a, a very important fundamental premise. What is biblical faith? What what does the, it mean when we talk about having faith from a biblical perspective? In verse 1 it says, Now... Faith is the assurances of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. If you're taking notes, the word faith there, and again, uh, our English word in our Bible, New Testament, is translated faith, belief, trust, same word. It means to be persuaded. It is to believe something. It's a knowledge, but listen, not only a knowledge of, but an assent to. I don't only believe about it, but I believe into it. It's a lively faith. In other words, when you have a biblical faith, it's a mental and intellectual thing that moves your life. You don't just believe, I believe George Washington, I believe in Abraham Lincoln, I believe in Martin Luther King Jr., and I believe in Jesus. I believe in Abraham Lincoln. Do you? That doesn't affect my life day-to-day very much. A lively faith in Christ means I not only believe it here, but it affects my hands and my feet and how I do life. In verse 6, these are going to be our two primary texts this evening. And without faith, the same word, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe, same word, that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Let me repeat that. That word believe, mental persuasion. A knowledge and an assent to. If we go back to verse 1, and it is the first verse and the foundation of this chapter. Now faith, this belief, this assurance, this confidence in, this mental belief that causes a a change in my life is the assurance. If you're taking notes, this is a great biblical word too. It means the basis of something. It means the foundation of something. In, in the Bible, or in the Bible times, this Greek word for assurance was often talked, used to talk about a foundation of a house. The foundation of a house is what supports it. Hey, your faith is what supports your Christianity. It is the foundation Of your your Christian life. This word assurance was also used in the ancient languages to talk about a legal document. It was used to talk about a title to a property. In other words, the ancient Greeks would use this word assurance to talk about a business transaction that was guaranteed. In other words, he's saying faith is the assurance. Faith in God is the legal transaction that you make that makes everything right with God. It's the assurance of what you hope for. That word hope's a great word. What you're expecting or what you're desiring. It is the conviction of things not seen. That word conviction means proof or evidence because I have a lively faith in Christ. I don't see him, but I hope with certainty and conviction that what I'm hoping for and believing in is true and is going to happen. Perry Lassiter is a wonderful member of our church. Perry was a pastor for 98 years before he retired. Started pastoring before the Civil War and ended up right after... Uh, the Gulf War. But Perry, I hope he's watching and hearing these insults. And if he's not, please pass them on to him when you see him. But Perry is a a great guy and a wonderful friend. And several years ago, he gave me this list of of the four ways that faith is described in the New Testament. This is really good. And we're going to go through a couple of these. First of all, faith talks about salvation. We're saved by faith. We'll see more in a moment. Faith in Christ, trust in Christ is a daily thing. Number three, it's Associated with miracles, we have faith in God for great things. And faith is also described as a spiritual gift, not a gift as some people would say is that you have to have, be given the gift of faith to be saved, but faith is lifted, listed as a spiritual gift along with preaching and teaching and speaking in tongues. Some people have the special gift from God to believe God for big things and miraculous things. Several years ago in Oxford University, now that's not old Miss by the way, like these pants would say. It's Oxford uh, in England. Two scientists were given $4 million as a grant to try to find the faith gene in our makeup because they believe that some people had it and some people don't. Can I give you some really good news this evening? You have the faith gene in you. God's granted it to you. You have it. You just got to decide whether you're going to exercise it or not. Quick review. A faith in Jesus Christ that's biblical is one that starts with my mind and me accepting facts, but it moves from my head to my heart and it moves out my hands and my feet. It's a lively faith that changes my life. Here's the second thing. Faith is the entry point to Christianity. You see, it is kind of the foundation, isn't it? Everything does rest on our faith, and John... 3.16, 3.16, see if you can say without looking at the screens. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever... What's the connector there? It's believing in Christ, that trust, that faith, same word. Ephesians 2.8.9, two very important verses about our salvation. For by grace you have been saved by being a Baptist. Whoops. Whoops. For by grace you have been saved by being baptized. For by grace you have been saved if you're a Catholic or Methodist. No, no, no. For by grace have you been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. So no one can boast. Now the gift of God there is salvation. It's God's gift. You can't work for it, but you receive it by faith. Faith is not a work, but it's an action. If someone's going to give you a gift... You have to receive it, don't you? We had some Christmas gifts at our home for three months because no one had come to receive them, and we refused to mail them to them. If you want your Christmas gifts, you're going to show up at my stinking house to get the gift. Amen? Come on. If you can get here, you can get the gift. That's our philosophy. If you remember, on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached a great message. 3,000 people were saved. But at the end of the message, peter they asked Peter, what must we do to be saved? Peter didn't say, go join the local church. Now, that's a great thing. Peter didn't say, spit out your tobacco, and you will come to Jesus. He didn't say that, did he? It may have made some of you mad that I said that. That's not what he said. You know what he said? Repent and believe, and you will be saved. Over in Acts, a little farther Paul was talking to a Philippian jailer that was fixing to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. And when he came out and saw Paul was there, Paul said, no, don't kill yourself. And the guy fell on his knees. He said, what must we do to be saved? What did Paul say to him? We have a discipleship class. If you will go through it for 12 weeks, you will be a follower of Christ. You know what he said? You believe in Jesus Christ, you and your family, and we will baptize you right now as followers of Christ. See, faith is the entry point to Jesus Christ. Now, this is very important. In that word faith, it's such a powerful word. Wrapped in that word is the idea of not only, again, mentally believing things about Jesus, but repentance and a change of life. You see, if I tell you tonight, I ask you tonight to place your faith in Christ if you never have, what we're asking you to do is come to Jesus and to say, Jesus, I don't understand it, but I accept your God's Son that you died on that cross And that you walked out of the tomb. You know, the only way I can accept that is by faith. I believe there's overwhelming evidence, but I I have to accept that by faith. I don't have a video that will show me that happening. I think there's great proof, but I have to accept it by faith. Don't you? Absolutely. But just accepting it here is not enough. See, a lot of people in the South, we believe that here. But when I place my faith in Christ, I believe that. But I also say, God, in that faith, I'm repenting of my sins and I'm surrendering my life to you. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we're not going to see it on the screen, but it says if any person's in Christ, they are a new creation. Saving faith changes your life. It's the entry point. The Reformation. How many of you know about the Reformation? Uh, It happened in the 1500s. I think we have a couple of church members that were in the youth group back during the Reformation. And they've told me all about it. It's really neat. But last year, we celebrated the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther, who was a Catholic priest. And he, the Catholic the church at that time, the pope, that particular pope was corrupt. And he rebelled against the church. And we got the different Protestant denominations from that. And the, and the, pro, the, the, the Reformation was built on four things called solos. Now, that's a Latin term. Sola means alone. And it was built on the premise of this, that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And the last one of those solas was Scripture alone, that the Bible is our ultimate rule and authority. But did you notice that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone? See, the entry point to Christianity As good as joining the church is or even being baptized, and I think you should do those things. It's not that. The entry point is when you come to Jesus Christ and bow your life. Have you done that, boy, I hope before we close the doors and turn off the lights tonight, you'll do that if you never have. But here's the next thing that's so important for so many of us. You see... Let me pause before I say this. See, a lot of you think that the faith thing, that's great. Man, your kids need to hear that. You know, you, you need to hear that before you got saved. That's a good revival sermon. But, but here's the third thing that we miss so much of the time. Faith is how you live out the Christian life. Faith is how we live out the Christian life. Now, let me be honest. Do you, do you agree with me we don't hear that enough? I mean, of course, you hear it enough here. But I'm talking about other churches. I'm being sarcastic for some of you. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we do. I, I think we emphasize you're saved by faith, and then it's kind of like you do your best and you go at it however you can from that point forward. In verse 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And I love verse 6. Without faith, you kind of can't please God. You paying attention? It says it's impossible, and it's, it's not possible to satisfy God without faith. And that would certainly mean not being just saved, but how you live your life. Our memory verse this month is 2 Corinthians 5, 7. Can I hear a commitment that you'll learn this? Read this aloud with me. We walk by not by sight. Who's that written to? Christians. We walk by faith, not by sight. Colossians 2, 6. Man, this is a great verse. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. How did you receive Christ Jesus as Lord? By by faith, right? But you're not trying to walk with that. You're trying to walk by how you feel. Amen? You're trying to walk by logic. You're trying to walk by your intelligence, and many of you are very intelligent, well educated. You're trying to figure it out. Churches walk by votes. Well, we voted on it. Must not have been God's will. Come on. It's God's will if the vote's right, if everybody's seeking God. I think that most of us, many of us in this room, we've been saved by faith in Christ. We're just not really living by faith. In Christ. We've missed that. And, and the problem, see, some of you right now, I, and, and I know from experience, you're flat, you're discouraged, you feel defeated, you, you can't seem to get past some spiritual humps in your life, you don't seem to ever grow much, move forward. You know what it is? You're, you're living by feelings, not by faith. I don't know with you, but with a lot of young Christians, it's feelings. It's feelings. We live from high to high to high. I saw this as a kid growing up. Youth would go to camp, and they came back wanting to burn rock albums. And then two months later, they were wanting to pull them out of the fire. They'd want to burn their albums. i say, don't do that. Just give it to me. I hadn't got Jesus yet. <laughs> and I'm I kidding. I thought I had him, but I could still have Ted Nugent. Some year old enough to remember who he was. But I learned a great lesson as a young Christian. It was 1983, it was 20 years before I was born, but I still remember this. (laughs) Some of you are looking. It's a joke, in the Greek, J-O-K-E. I got radically saved. Jesus changed my life. Man, I walked on the cloud for six months. I mean, I felt him, I felt him, I felt him. Then I stopped feeling him. And I thought he was gone. And so then I just went back, and I started going back in the bars and running around, and I was the most miserable person on the face of the earth. The most miserable person is the saved person living out of God's will because you got the Holy Spirit in you, and he is uncomfortable in your sin. And so I came back to Christ, but here was the problem. I didn't feel anything at all. Man, I was praying, and I didn't feel anything. I, I, I didn't feel God's presence. I didn't feel God's love. I would confess my sin over and over, and I never felt forgiven. And then I came across Colossians 2.6 that says that you live the same way you received him. You li- don't live by your feelings. You don't live by emotions. You don't live by your stinking PhD. You don't live by your, your, your logic. You don't live by your feeling. You live by faith. And and God, I think, started whispering in my ear, I love you whether you feel like it or not. Wow. You confess your sin and you're sincere. You're going to still fall, but you're trying to live right. God forgives you whether you feel like it or not. Isn't that great? I'm praying. I'm not hearing anything or seeing anything happen, but I'm looking at my Bible and it says, when I pray with a right heart and I seek God, He hears my prayers. Then I started saying, you know what, i got to walk by faith. And it took a while, but I finally got over that hump that I think a lot of people never get over. We get to that hill and we go back. And we do that our whole lives. We live from Easter to the candlelight service on that high. Then we're down here, then we're back up here. Let me challenge you this evening. You're tired, you're fatigued, you don't feel God. Maybe you do need to be saved, honestly. Maybe that's it. But maybe you're just trying to live by faith. I mean, by feelings, not by faith. You're living by logic. You're living by reason instead of living by faith in God. Man, listen, what God tells you and me this evening is you live by faith. I, I saw this from a book, that, that faith is how you live in the meantime. Now, what they mean by that? Faith is how you live down here. Until you get to heaven. Hey, when we get to heaven, we'll see Jesus. We'll see the streets of gold. I believe we're gonna see our dogs again. We're gonna see the and our cat. We're gonna see the people who know Jesus that we love that went on before us. It'll be by by sight then. Now we live by faith. In the meantime, I live by trusting Christ, not by my feelings. I can't live by everything I see. You watch the news, it'll drive you crazy. Our world is crazy. But you live by faith, not by sight. You don't live by logic. You live by your trust in Jesus Christ. Sometimes your feelings will say run and faith saying stay. Sometimes your feelings are saying stay and faith saying leave. Oftentimes your feelings are going to say quit, give up. It's not worth it. And God and faith are always saying keep doing what's right. Stay in there, stay in there, stay in there. Hey, faith is the foundation for everything. It's how we enter the Christian life. But Christian, hear me. This is how we live the Christian life, by that trust and that faithful, faithful commitment to Jesus Christ day in and day out. Now, here's the fourth thing, and we're going to see a lot of this in the weeks ahead, and it's so wonderful. Faith is the key to seeing great things. It's the key to seeing miraculous things. The atheist says there is no God. The agnostic says they don't know. That's more intellectual but we would still believe they're very, very wrong. But even believing in God's not enough. What kind of God do you believe in? Back in Jesus' day, and even predating it a little bit, the the ancients who believed in multiple gods oftentimes believed that there were gods, they just didn't like people. (laughs) I know some theologians that believe that today, by the way, but... Our gods? The, the, there were gods, but why would God be interested in humanity? That was a common philosophy before Jesus' day. One of the Stoic philosophers, probably a little before Jesus said this, he said, the gods exist, but they do nothing. They do nothing. They don't care about us. But there was another Stoic philosopher, probably close to Jesus' time, who got it a little bit Closer to correct. He said the gods exist. You must believe they exist, but you must believe that they truly want to care and take care of you and me. Look in verse 6. That's what God's saying. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards. He is the rewarder to those who seek him. You know, to become a Christian, you've got to come to God and believe He's real and trust that He's going to reward your request to save you as a Christian. You have to come to God day in and day out and believe that He hears you and is going to walk with you. But I want to challenge you this evening. If you're ready to take your Christian life to a next level, faith is going to be the key. Faith is going to be the key. In Mark eleven twenty four, 24, a tremendous verse, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Now, I've prayed for a lot of things believing, and I haven't seen it. I think I've, I've missed God. I've been wrong. I've prayed for a lot of things, and I've believed, and I've seen God answer that. Martin, you can write this down, Matthew 21, 22, Another verse that we don't have on the screens, but Matthew 21, 22, Basically paraphrase saying, you don't get it because you don't believe. You don't trust and believe, God's not going to respond to you. Absolutely approaching God, believing that he hears you, that he's there, and that he's going to respond is an absolute key. You know why so many of us live subpar Christian lives? is we're not living by faith and we're certainly not praying and expecting God to do a great thing. Do you really expect God to do great things in your life? In your church, in in your family, in your world? I I read this and I'm going to share this with you. I think think it's so good. In the Christian life, the steps from being a risk taker to a caretaker to an undertaker are very short. Risk taker, caretaker, undertaker. A lot of churches are caretakers. They're not going to step out in faith. They're not going to believe God for anything big. Well, that would disrupt things. And if you caretake a church long enough, eventually you'll bury it. You'll be an undertaker, won't you? See, many of you are doing that with your Christian life. You're not stepping out in faith. You're not obeying God. You're not trusting God and praying big prayers. You're just caretaking yourself. And you caretake long enough, then eventually you'll become an undertaker. You know what an undertaker is? Am I speaking Greek or you know what that is? Somebody you don't want to meet tonight? I want to tell you, Christians ought to be risk takers, shouldn't we? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible for a church or a Christian or a couple or a family to please God and to see God work in great ways if you're not going to step out and trust God and be a risk taker. Amen? How many of you ever heard of the Apostle Paul? Short, probably Jewish guy, bad eyesight, lived 2,000 years ago. His, His whole life was about risk, wasn't it? He was finding out what God wanted him to do, even when it didn't make sense, even when it was going to be horribly dangerous, and doing it. Paul goes walking down the road. He gets beat up. Paul gets on a ship. He gets shipwrecked. Paul tries to minister to his fellow Jewish people. They stone him. That's not marijuana for some of you. He tries to love on the Romans, and they beat him and throw him in jail and eventually behead him. But Paul goes down as one of the greatest humans that ever walked the face of the earth, not because he was a great intellect, which he was. He goes down as one of the greatest people because he had faith, and he lived by faith, and he prayed by faith, and God used him to do gigantic things. Don't you want to be a faith person for Jesus? Don't you? I'm your pastor. As long as I'm here, I want us to be risk takers. I don't mean dumb, close their eyes and jump and hope there's water in the pool. I mean jumping in and going, you know what, I don't know how that water's going to feel, but God said to do it, so we're going to do it. And I want to challenge you in your life. Faith's the foundation. If you are going to move past casual Christianity, you're going to have to live by faith, and you're going to have to step out and pray in faith and trust God for big things. Faith is, it all rests on faith. And let me just close by telling you why we can have faith in God. And there's a thousand reasons. But here's a pretty good concept. Henry Blackaby, do y'all know that name? Henry Blackaby, you know the name of Henry Blackaby? He, he was the author of the study, Experiencing God. If you've never gone through that, how many, again, how many of you know that name? A you old people know Henry, don't you? Old, old people was my age and up, so I, so I might criticize any of y'all. You you know who he is. Here's what he said. Write these things down, and I'm going to say these a lot over the next few weeks. He said, we can trust God, and here's three things about God. God is all-knowing. Some of you are going, well, my spouse thinks they are. They may think they are. They are not. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. You agree with that? You tell God to move it, God wants to move it. God can move it, right? Right? But being all-powerful and all-knowing, it's not necessarily good. Because you can be all-powerful and all-knowing and be evil, right? Or corrupt. Powerful, knowledgeable government that's corrupt is not good powerful knowledgeable person corrupts not good but but here's what black i mean these are all biblical god's all powerful god's all knowing and god is love god is all loving and when you put that in together that's beautiful isn't it so see we have a god who is all powerful he can do anything he's all knowing he knows everything by the way when he's leading you he knows everything and to top that off god is from the inside out god is love God is love. So I don't know about you, but it's a lot easier to trust someone when you know they know what they're talking about. If they tell you to do it, they can make it happen. And three, they love you like nobody else loves you. You can trust that person. So I want to encourage us this evening. Let's trust God. Everything in your life and my life rests on how we trust God. You're here tonight and you've never given your life to Christ. You come tonight and trust Jesus. You want to do it after church? We'll be over here. We'll help you. You trust Jesus to be your Lord and Savior tonight. Maybe you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to. If God's leading you to, you come and join. You can do that after church. You can do it right now when we stand. Maybe a faith thing, but you do it. Christian, maybe you want to come pray with a minister. Pray at the altar. Maybe just where you're standing, you want to say, God, from this point on with your help, I want to live by faith, and I want to live in the miraculous, and I'm going to do that by trusting you with my life. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come. We'll be waiting.